Okay, hi Frank. What was your first computer? Ah, that's a long time ago, and it was a Commodore 64. It's, uh, I think it's about 1983, something like that. Uh, I was 11 years old, I guess, when one of our teachers introduced that computer in the school. Mm -hmm. I think we were, were, uh, were one of the first schools in, in Belgium to have, uh, I think, 10 of those Commodore 64s. Uh, it was also the time you had some computer clubs, so he took us, some interested guys, to this computer club. Uh, and I got my first one when I was 11. Okay, uh, and how did the computer club look like? So was it like, uh, I don't know, a military place or like, you know, uh, out of space? So it was in a youth hostel and, and just anyone who had a computer brought it with him. Yeah. So that meant, yeah, it was a full package. Yeah? It was a monitor, it was a computer, power supplies, a tape deck for the, the programs. It was not a laptop at that time. So it was really a big move you had to do. Uh, and we were just exchanging yeah, tips and and some code and examples of what we were doing. But so there was very, no, so there was no special special design involved. It was just no, a place. Okay, just a bunch of tables, and everyone brought his computer and was showing what he did with it, uh, and you could exchange some stuff. So uh, what I remember, I was uh, in, in your age in my first. It was like a computer place, but it was already styled like a military place. So what uh, they did, they were students. They use like a camouflage covers, so every, everything looked strange. And the next computer place I remember was, it was like a replica of some space station, not space station, something like that. So it was always a little bit uh, interesting. So this, I'm curious how, how your computer and place looked like. Well, it's a very long time ago, so I have to dig deep in my memory to find it back. <laughs> so then... The, the next, the next time I will uh, hypnotize you, you know, so then uh, <laughs> I will find out <laughs> yeah, how it actually looked me, like. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. And uh, so you liked C64 immediately or? Uh, yeah, yeah, indeed. And I only had one game. It was a game. The games were with uh, that kind of cartridges. So you had to power down your computer, plug it in in the back and then power on your computer again. Was it C64? You are sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was some kind of cartridge. Okay. Um, I only had one game, so I, uh, I only played this one game. Um, I cannot even remember the name. Okay. But what I started doing more was was programming with BASIC and and, and uh, go to uh, print something and then go go back to that line and print it 1,000 yeah. times. So, so that was really uh, got me interested. And when I was a bit older, I think 14 or 15 years old, I found a book um, which was describing how you could control... Um, uh, relay boards with your Commodore 64. What boards? Um, uh, it was an extension board um, with eight relay. Okay. So you could toggle some some power on and off. Uh, on, um, and, and, a, and a relay is something like uh, with a an low voltage. Yeah. You can switch on and off uh, yeah, higher voltage, indeed. right? Yeah. yeah. And, an it, electronic component. and it works like uh, with electromagnetic switches or something like this, yeah, right? Yeah. There's okay. a, a, there is a little magnet in there, and, and that magnet is controlled by low power from your computer. Then you can toggle uh, a switch. Mm -hmm. And then you can connect a higher voltage. Mm -hmm. um, and I ordered this book then in, in the Netherlands. I'm from Belgium. So that was really, at that time, that was difficult. You had to do a payment to, uh, to a foreign country. And I ordered this book with this board. But I only got the board and not, no electronic components. So I had to really go to a shop and buy this and, and buy a soldering station and connect everything together. Um, and the first time I connected it to my Commodore, I heard some strange electronic sounds. So I thought I destroyed my computer. Uh, tried it again and it worked. And and from that time, it worked immediately. It worked immediately, and then had to program with peaks and pokes. I cannot remember even what the commands were. Lucky but, you! Um, <laughs> I try. You know, I tried. I was very fascinated by electronics, yeah. but whatever trivial I did, I never worked. 
I don't know why I, I, I was I, I probably I probably overheated something or whatever, but yeah, it, yeah. it never worked. And I say, okay, I'm just too stupid for electronics. I will I will never manage to do this. And and even now, you know, if I have something to do with electronics, my first thing is it will never work. So I could try. It it works right now. But but this was the, my first impression. You know, it is too hard. It will never work. I was in your age. I was just fascinated by the electronics that you can actually you know do something uh, little pieces you can solve together, but it never worked. And because it worked in in, in your case for the very first time. You, as you know, yeah, your first success story. I was very lucky. I yeah, was very yeah, lucky. Because, very lucky, really. And and it fascinated me because I had my Lego trains, and uh, I could control my train with my computer, and the joystick of the Commodore sixty four. I uh, opened that, and it's a very simple thing. It's just yeah. for four or five buttons, and every button is connected to a wire to the to the computer. So I had on my train, I had little magnets and and uh, relay contacts, uh, magnetic contacts uh, across the track. So my computer knew wh where my train was on the track, and I could control the power and and some uh, some uh, deviations. So that was really fascinating. And how old were you? Fifteen, <laughs> fourteen, fifteen. Um, Crazy. It was fun, and that's a bit the thing I, I find now is uh, then it was difficult. You had to find your components. You had to order something abroad, and it was all very difficult. And that's the big difference with uh, the current times. You find everything online on eBay. You can c buy components almost for free. Wait a second, you, you are skipping you know, 40 yeah. years of, <laughs> of history. I'm, I'm comparing the, the, the history because then it was indeed very difficult to find all that kind of stuff. And I was lucky that I found it, that I found a book that someone in a shop helped me to explain how you have to solder things. Um, and that was really fascinating. And uh, those relays which controlled my, my, uh, my Lego train, I could also use it to control lights, and I had a disco bar at that time. I was a DJK, uh, so I took my computers to control my lights of my disco bar. So it was really fun to combine all those stuff. You had music, you had programming, you had electronics, and that really fascinated me. That with some simple code between brackets, <laughs> um, you could con indeed control stuff around you. Two questions. Uh, uh, first, uh, Lego train. Uh, because mm -hmm. I remember the Lego trains, I wanted to, ha to to have one back then, but I never got it. But what I remember, they were different to now. So back then, the Lego trains, they had uh, the uh, metal rails, right? Yeah, indeed. A and, and they uh, were powered by the by the metal rails. Now they are they are independent, so the rails are from plastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. indeed. Then, then you had, my son now has a new, a new Lego train, and indeed the battery is inside the train. Yeah. But at, at that time, you had a power supply next to the track. Yeah. And you had this metal track in the middle. Yeah. So indeed, you can just cut this cable and control it through a relay that it goes on and off. Yeah, cool. And, and, and was and it cooler? So was the, the, the Lego back back then better than now? or Lego, you can never destroy it. So it stays a, a, a fantastic toy. Um, but for that kind of purpose, at that time, it was better. But what um, do you like more, the old trains or the new trains? Well, the new trains are very cool. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the design is very cool. Um, but now you have the Lego Mindstorm, so you can have some, something yeah, similar. But, but uh, my impression is uh, now the um, Lego Technic, for instance, is uh, modularized. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and back then, for instance, what I remember, I built my own gears. I had the motor, you know, the, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and the motor uh, was unusable. So you had to, you know, to create your own gears. And now you get a yeah. motor with the gears. So yeah, you only yeah. have to put, you know, the wheel and, and it goes. So yeah, for me, it's right now a little bit more boring than back then. And back then also, you know, the Technic stuff was less designed. So there were more generic parts. Yeah, and right now, everything works perfectly. But, you know, it only works perfectly or only looks perfectly for that model. 
Yeah, indeed. So, so this is this is the difference. Yeah, it's a big difference, but yeah, that all the f small blocks you have now, yeah, was not available at that time. Eh? So about mm -hmm. programming, so you used uh, Visual Basic? Uh, it was yeah. Oh, no, no Visual Basic. basic. Sorry, Basic. Just, uh, just Basic, eh? yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, uh, how you found out about the pick and pokes? Because what I assume what you did is with the poke, you could set, you know, the voltage or whatever of the relay, right? Yeah, it was indeed toggling a relay on and off. Yeah. Uh, stuff like that. You how how you found out from... about the address of the relay? So, uh, this is it, for instance... it, was all, it, it was all in this book. It was one ah, book. Okay. And, and it's very pity. I, the, the biggest mistake in my life, is, I think, is that I just dumped everything. I don't have my Commodore anymore. I don't have the book anymore. Oh, uh, I, I lost a bit of my history. <laughs> yeah, but now, but now <laughs> we we capture your history right now. No, this is a little yeah, bit of yeah, backup yeah. what we are doing right now in the podcast. <laughs> okay, cool. No, it can never be lost again. With fifteen, you did your, which is actually incredible if you think about that. This is uh, when was it? Nineteen ninety. What you now call a nerd, I was it at that time. I'm still am a nerd, and I'm a bit proud of it. I think yeah, that's really. a quality mark. Eh? <laughs> yeah, but back then, when was it? Was 1990s? 1980? Uh, it's what, yeah, yeah, 1987, something like that. But this was absolute um, high tech back then, right? It was not usual to do something it, like that. It was high tech by then. I think the book was from Elector, who still publishes this kind of books and magazines. Uh, what's what's the uh, name? Elec? Uh, Elector. Uh, Elector. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, my, my book is also published by them. Uh, so they publish uh, electronics magazines, uh, books. They, now they also sell this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think I found it in the library back then. So okay. uh, I had the, the luck or in the computer club. Hmm? Cannot remember, really, okay. <laughs> too long ago. Okay, so you did then the, the, you know, the trains and the, mm -hmm. uh, and the disco lights. So mm -hmm. what was your next project? So you stick with the C64 um, or what happened then? I stick with the C64. Oh, oh, oh sorry, 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 sorry. It's too interesting. But yeah? you played games or you never had time to play games? We just um, I had this, this one game. What was it? That's it, I think. Uh, it was some kind of Space Invader stuff. Hey, cool. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you enjoyed then, it? Yeah, we had computer. I enjoyed it, yes, but I love more the programming stuff. Yeah, sure. It's now the same thing. My, my son loves uh, Fortnite and, and PlayStation. Uh, and he challenged me to to make new games for him so <laughs> the fortnite <laughs> stuff is terrible uh, everyone talk about fortnite i tried to install it on on my ipad and uh i i i installed that then there was an update one and a half gig then i yeah. did something next time update again is okay i delete that so this is uh, too much yeah, updates so you know and everyone talks about microservices, yeah. uh, microservices <laughs> and small things, and then you know I saw I don't know and, and then you're uh, uh, yeah yeah a, a strange you know a strange creature on the screen and had to download one and a half gig of something and this was like and then I just immediately deleted. I think my experience with Fortnite is like ten minutes, and uh, yeah, ten minutes no. playing and uh, two hours updates. So this is um, no. I try to make very simple JavaFX games for him. <laughs> JavaFX, okay, and he was delighted, right? He has like he dumped, you know, uh, the Fortnite. Yeah, he, him, 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 he made some drawings of fishes and, and a shark, and and that's okay. the kind of game I make for him. Okay, so you but could yeah, become billionaire with JavaFX, then, you know, he's like a competitor uh, to Fortnite. Yeah, let's hope so. But <laughs> <laughs> dream on. <laughs> Perfect. So, but um, okay. So, uh, what happened after the C64 Basic time? I stayed with Commodore and, and I bought an Amiga 500. Wow, this was my dream machine. I still think that it was way advanced. Eh? Um, I didn't do uh, any electronics or programming school. I, I went to a film school, high school. Hey, cool. Um, and I and I used my computer. Sorry, uh, what, you learned, what you learned at the film school? So what? What? So um, in, in Belgium, you had three film schools. Uh, two of them were artistic, where you uh, became an, uh, a director, 
Okay. Mainly, cool. yeah. Cool. And then you had the third school, and that's the one I went, and was uh, really technical. So uh, you were an uh, industrial uh, engineer, mm-hmm. um, but trained to be a cameraman, soundman, uh, video editor, uh, an engineer in the, in the in film cool. and video. And there, we, yeah, we learned uh, to work with images. So I used my Amiga to make animations, mm-hmm. uh, uh, try to make that very bombastic intros <laughs> you have for, for movies. <laughs> Um, that so this kind is, of stuff. Uh, this is how, how you, you end your way, uh, you, you find your way to Rocky One, probably, right? This was the intro yeah, made by you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you now look back to it, it was very amateuristic. But yeah, we were students and we were just trying stuff out. Question, um, uh, why uh, you, did, you had a lot of experience with you know, electronics and the C64. Uh-huh. How you got the idea to go to the film school? I mean, I went visiting some some uh, engineering schools, yeah, um, and then also to this film school, and it was in a little castle in a park in Brussels. Cool. Uh, and they had this this TV studio in this castle. Uh, I later discovered it was really old. Uh, uh-huh. They started building a new one when I was in in that school. Um, but I've always interested in in yeah how things work, how you combine stuff. Okay. And. So that's what we did there. We had a bunch of cameras and then you had to connect them and then you had to arrange everything that they worked smoothly together, that they had the same color mm-hmm. and that the sound was there, that you had enough microphones. Uh, I was also doing uh, uh, some radio at that time. Mm-hmm. So combining everything, which is yeah, visual, uh, sound, electronics, to get to a- an output. I was not that much interested in the film part because film is, is very different. You have to... Uh, record something yeah then this 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 uh this um, tape has to go to a laboratory where they develop it and then you get it back and then you, then yeah. it takes days before you see what you've done yeah <laughs> uh, and with video in a tv studio you have immediately your result mm-hmm. so that was very fascinating but that's also what i did when i graduated i was a video editor um so i worked for a couple of tv stations uh, as freelancer and did video editing where you indeed get a bunch of tapes and you have to make uh, a documentary for instance in mm-hmm. one day you you have to produce 10 minutes of a, of a finished result um and at that time making a, a video edit was with a lot of players and a recorder and yeah. a lot of equipment um, and it was only after a few years that that started evolving into computer editing so you took your tapes you recorded them to computer uh, converted them to 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 video files uh, and you edited in in Avid and and uh, Media Pro, was it? Um, so at that time you had digital video, and then I became interested again in the programming stuff mm-hmm. uh, because my clients came with uh, a company movie, for instance. Uh, one question: The school was it university school? Is it was it university? Is it it's high school? Yes, so I, graduated. Yeah, yeah, high okay. school. Uh, I can just imagine. You said this is a castle. Old castle. Mm-hmm. The school was inside yeah. the castle. I can imagine that the Halloween party was really fun at the film school at the castle. <laughs> Is it true? <laughs> oh, no. I can't remember the Halloween party. But it was in a very big park. So if we wanted to study and it was very hot, we were just in the park. So it was uh, just outside of Brussels uh, in Vorst. Yeah, so it was a very nice environment. Okay. But if you cannot, re- I mean, Halloween party is the first which comes to mind. Film school in an old <laughs> castle in a large park. Halloween. I mean, you did something wrong. Yeah, I did something wrong. But at that time, Halloween party did already exist 30 years ago. <laughs> I, I, have, I have no idea. But if not parties, you know, some ghost stories or, or at least know yeah, some ghost yeah. movies would be fun. Yeah. There was no ghost movie? No, no. But yeah, we, we went to the movie three times a week. So we had a very big cinema 
in Brussels, so we we saw all the movies. Yeah. Uh, as a film student, you have to. Eh? Yeah, for sure. This was your uh, home assignment, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you st you you uh, you became interested again in programming after yeah. the videos, analog videos were digitalized, and yeah. uh, you get uh, your clients came with movies to you. And were some yeah. re some semi-famous movies you edited or? Well, no, no, it was it was all for television, uh, documentaries, cooking programs. I learned a lot of cooking uh, at that okay. time. Okay. Um, I did three different cooking shows that I edited. You did you did something wrong with the cookies, or just funny moments, or no? So uh, you cut something no. wrong? No. No. It was. I had the luck. It was not live, eh? so we, we we could fix everything. Eh? Okay. And uh, yeah, what you programmed? So what you wanted um, to to do? Well, um, uh, the question came with with uh, company movies. That they mm -hmm. wanted to put them at that time, CD-ROMs were the thing, CD-ROM yeah. and DVD. Yeah. Um, so you had, I don't know if you have ever seen those. You had this CD-ROMs, which were cut out in the shape of a business card. No. So they were uh, a square, and but you only had 15 megabytes left because uh, CD-ROM starts from uh, the inside to the out. Eh? Yeah. So yeah. the data is from inside to outside. Uh, so you only had the, the a really narrow little ring in the middle yeah. which was left. Yeah. I think you could put 15 megabytes or something like that on there. Cool. So having a, a, a small program with a demonstration of what the company was doing and then a video was really challenging, having mm -hmm. 30 seconds of video on there. Um, so yeah, it was before YouTube, eh? um, transcoding a video to a very small AVI file yeah. um, was really a challenge. And then you had Macromedia Director, Mm -hmm. uh, which was a programming environment to build this kind of uh, interactive presentations. It was bought by Adobe. Mm -hmm. um, Lingo was the programming language. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, the Lingo itself, I cannot really remember, but the Lingo then later became ActionScript mm -hmm. in Flash, mm -hmm. um, which really is an object-oriented programming yeah. language yeah, yeah. to do types. visual stuff. They yeah, actually yeah. proposed this action script as a JavaScript standard, and it became yeah, yeah. very, very similar to Java. So I know projects yeah. where they built entire frontends with action yeah. script, and they used the Eclipse-based tooling. I forgot actually the name. So they they yeah, created frontend builder, flex yeah, builder, flex exactly. Build. Yeah, so they yeah, built yeah. you know the frontend with I was in the project actions I, um, yeah. action script, and I was actually responsible for the backend. So uh, yeah, we okay. did you know the backend services, and they did the others yeah. did the frontends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first thing we did was with this Lingo. Then you had DVDs, but that was very short period. That was not really interesting for companies. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, the next step was bringing this video to website, the very first website yeah. with video. Um, and if you want a website that is easy updatable, you need the content management system. Yeah. So that turned into C sharp code. And uh -huh. the first, my first sites were even with an access database, which is really a no go. Yeah. <laughs> um, you single threaded, right? Yeah, indeed. So it was really, uh, it worked, but it was not perfect. So that became MySQL and, and uh, SQL Server later. So this is interesting. Moved on. So, so you started uh, uh, very fast with 15 and you were uh, a true hacker. Then you wasted some years with, you know, <laughs> CD-ROMs and DVDs, uh, cutting uh, holes in, in yeah, CDs. Yeah. And then you uh, rebooted again with C-Sharp, right? Yeah, so it was indeed. Two, 2012 uh, or? Uh, I have to look. Yeah, it will be something like that. 
a bit, a bit earlier, I think, even my first websites were with uh, no, not Dreamweaver. It was front page. Yeah, Microsoft front page. It was beautiful and markup. It generated, you know, beautiful. This front page was famous for clean and beautiful markup, right? Oh, <laughs> I hated it. Yeah, you had one, you know, one, one caption on the screen, and it generated like uh, fifty megs of very yeah. strange, you know, nested uh, tags. Yeah, indeed, that, that was my big problem with front page. You started with a new website, yeah, and you immediately had a lot of stuff, and you had no idea what was happening. Yeah. And then I went to Dreamweaver, and you started with zero. You yeah. had to do everything yourself. Yeah. Uh, but it was way cleaner, and you knew what was yeah. happening, yeah, yeah. and you knew what we were doing. So yeah, that's a bit the same now you have with Angular. Eh? If you start with scratch, you already have one, a few hundred megabytes of code, and you know, have no idea what's happening inside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, with, with Angular, is I would say, is this even even more magic than front page? I would say. Yeah. yeah. If you, I think uh, what Microsoft should do, you know, they should do front page Angular edition. You know, so like. <laughs> They should generate the HTML and, and Angular at once, yeah. so they will be yeah, even yeah. more popular, you know. So then we have... Yeah, a, but... Yeah. <laughs> it was indeed my, my, my issue with front page. I, I started with it, but I really moved on very fast because I didn't find what was happening in there. That's a funny story. Back then, I got uh, a company asked me to evaluate IDEs for the web. So I, mm -hmm. I, I evaluated uh, uh, front page, then a Dreamweaver, then Adobe Page Mill, then were uh, Net Dynamics something mm -hmm. uh, studio and Cold yeah. Fusion and all others. Then Hot Metal or something. There was a Hot Metal uh, editor, yeah. and I say I'm just too stupid. I I don't <laughs> get it how it works. I mean, this is like you, I would never get it right. And then yeah. on Windows, I just fire up you know, Notepad and wrote some HTML text. Yeah. I saw immediately the results, and I saw that's really simple. I mean, what they are yeah. doing, I have no idea. And then if someone asks me, you know, what I'm using for web development, I sometimes I said, you know, front page or to be credible, you know, but I always wrote it with Notepad back then. And then I think I bought, the next editor was not Ultra Edit, I think, but one before something. But uh, Notepad was my start. And I did everything with Notepad, actually. And then, uh, and then I just I never admitted because I thought this is like, you know, Notepad is for beginners. And the front page is for the webmasters. This was my, my idea because I couldn't actually find out what happens behind the scenes, right? But the advantage of a Dreamweaver was you, you also typed in just your code, but you saw a preview of it. Yeah, but it was a so mix, was... a strange mix. You could you could do it's something and it mix, gen yeah. generated yeah. a little bit and you have to understand both worlds. Yeah. And yeah. they had a lots of stuff which I couldn't understand because they were already prepared to talk to the backend, right? Mm -hmm. So this was not just yeah, 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 editorial, yeah. it was more than this. <laughs> And I couldn't get it uh, entirely. So I said, okay, I will. This is too suspicious, you know. I would just know they have to yeah, full yeah. control. So you did C sharp stuff then? C sharp, and then I went to some. Why, why not Java? So I, I mean. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I just yeah, stumbled upon C sharp, and that was it. I found I could do whatever I wanted. I created RSP.net sites, uh, and it just worked for me. Yeah, so no, no, I, it worked, I, for, I, I it did, worked for me yeah. because I had actually no, you know, no association with C Sharp, whatever. I just mm -hmm, stick mm -hmm. with, started with Java. And then yeah, C Sharp was somewhere in the corner. So I never heard about yeah. that So uh, until now. And, so. and I was a Microsoft user at that time. Eh? So ah. it, everything I used was Microsoft. There were so. That's how I stumbled upon C Sharp, I guess. Eh? Okay, um, it was the first thing I found. I used it. It worked. It, I could build whatever I wanted. So I continued with C Sharp. Okay, this logical. Um, so you use yeah. the tools for the film. Everything was Microsoft, and then of course, and and yeah. it was also uh, the the, the CD-ROM was more the macromedia stuff, uh, mm -hmm. Lingo and Director. Uh, then later became Flash. Um, I also went through this phase of the skip intro websites. Yeah. So where you had these annoying sure. animations, so I made a lot of those animations. Sure. Um, so there was my film school was uh, had still some some advantage. Mm -hmm. um, 
And then at the conference, uh, I saw a demo of what was then, I think, Flex 1 or 2 mm -hmm. of Adobe, uh, where you had this really Which beautiful... It could be in Belgium, so it could be... Um, you had Multimania. I don't know if okay, that was something. already at that time. Okay. Or a Microsoft even, or another. I don't know. I don't know. But there you, were a lot of you were still nerdy, or you lost, you know... <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah, faith. yeah. I, I, stay, I, I am nerdy till I uh, retire, and even then... <laughs> <laughs> no, because was, for me, you know, the, the CD-ROM and the director and sounds yeah. a little bit boring for a nerd. Oh, no, no, because it's really fun. If you make a, a business presentation, um, okay. it has to look very appealing. Huh? Ah. So you have, it has to look very beautiful. So you need a designer to make a nice interface. Um, you have to program it because you have interaction in there. Mm -hmm. um, we even made... Uh, catalogs with products on CD-ROM. So you had a database on the CD-ROM, <clears throat> a oh, lot cool. of pictures. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's really a combination of programming and something which is visual, very appealing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's also what we did then on the website. Uh, a catalog has a lot of code, but mm -hmm. it also has to look nice mm -hmm. uh, and user-friendly. So that's the idea I always tried to, to take into my work. And when I first saw Flex, uh, which at that time had the backend, mm -hmm. A solution where you had, uh, for instance, streaming data from uh, to show uh, charts which update at real time. Mm -hmm. So that was really something where you had again that visual, very appealing stuff, mm -hmm. very nice charts, components, buttons, but with a lot of programming in the back end. Right? Mm -hmm. You could do a lot of stuff. And at that, at that time, it already switched to Flex 3, where you didn't really need the back end anymore. You could just build whatever you want with your own back end. Mm -hmm. So I had my knowledge. And then at that time, we were using SQL Server, C Sharp. So we had uh, web services there. So we could get any data from a database into this Flex uh, application and could really show the kind of user interface you expect in a program, in a mm -hmm. desktop application, but in the browser. And that's, I think, one of the main uh, advantages that Flex has brought, that you uh, can build heavy stuff in the browser. At the time, you didn't have the full power that JavaScript has now. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, everything has changed when Flash became obsolete and uh, you had these new frameworks which allowed you to do the same things. Mm -hmm. But at that time, that was really a big step forward. What, what was your reaction to Steve Jobs' No Flash? Well, uh, that, that brings me to the story of, of my current employer. Ten years ago, I was looking for a new challenge. Mm -hmm. I had my experience with C Sharp, with SQL, with, uh, with Flex. Um, and I came in contact with Televic uh, Rail, which is a company who builds um, passenger information systems for trains, trams, metros. So nice. what they do is uh, if you have um, the train guard announcing mm -hmm. uh, the next station is, that's something they automate, uh, that we automate at Televic. Um, and at that time, more than 10 years ago, they only had, uh, they had audio and LED displays. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to bring uh, uh, TFT displays on the train. Mm -hmm. um, and we selected at that time to use uh, Flash and Flex mm -hmm. because Adobe was saying, yeah, we are going to push Flash on every device. Mm -hmm. the, the idea at that time was uh, if you are in a car and you have an interactive dashboard, that mm -hmm. will be Flash. Yeah. Um, and then indeed, uh, a few years later, when our product was uh, finished, Steve Jobs said, uh, I'm going to kill Flash. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to put this on my iPad. Um, what, uh, and things evolved. <laughs> what what, what uh, Steve said, it was something funny in an interview. He said something like this, uh, Flash is great on hard disks. <laughs> this was, yeah, maybe that was the idea. This was this was a cool answer from him. Someone says, yeah, you are against Flash. It's no true. You know, you, we are building SSD. They are Flash-based. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but his, his idea was not, not, not bad. It, we should improve the browser to 
be able to do what Flash is yeah. doing. Eh? Yeah. Um, so that idea was good. But indeed, yeah, I had to kill one of my darlings. Eh? Uh, yeah. So I really loved Flex. I still do. Um, I still have to support some legacy stuff in there. And the only switch I, from, I took from, a look. from actions... I was just, yeah. I was just curious. Um, I don't know why. I just, uh, last week, I looked up the Flex, and this is actually Adobe. Adobe, no, no, uh, yeah, Apache yeah, Flex, Apache Flex. It was open source entirely, yeah, yeah. <coughs> and yeah. the page looks beautiful and very current. But I took a look at the release, and it was like the last release was five years ago or something like this, so nothing happens. Um, I didn't follow up on the Apache Flex, um, but indeed Adobe donated it yeah. to the community. Mm -hmm. um, you should look it up. So the page looks really, yeah, really the, nice. The, mm -hmm. I know the page. Is, uh, the project has still lives. These. Uh, still do releases, and the idea is that you do not compile your ActionScript application anymore to Flash, but you compile it to HTML and JavaScript. Oh. And that's still active, um, oh. and that's still an idea. So th that's an an Angular or a Vue or uh, whatever. Yeah. You also have still ActionScript and Flex. Yeah. <coughs> you could even combine Angular with uh, with Flex. Now, yeah, right. Yeah, because be <laughs> yeah, because because the ActionScript code is really good. Yeah, it is. No, no kidding. Yes. No, no kidding. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it looks like almost like Java. And and back then, yeah, yeah. it was a huge success. Uh, Java developers just loved it. So I know it. Yeah. So uh, lots yeah. of projects just switch, you know, to Flex because uh, yeah, I was a yeah. lots of projects involved that it was used actually. If, if I if I do some legacy stuff in there and I switch from Java to ActionScript, I just have to remember that I have to put my my variable in the wrong order yeah. if you come from Java. Eh? Yeah. So and actually for the rest, yeah, it's the same thing like switching from C sharp to Java. Of course, it's a different language, but but you don't have to switch your mindset. The problem it's, with it's, C sharp in Java are the naming conventions. Yeah, in Java has camel case, and in C sharp the methods looks for me like yeah. constructors. So if I look <laughs> yeah. at the code, I don't get it at all. What's yeah. a strange thing? And then I have to to rethink because the only thing which I really hate in C sharp in dynamic conventions, if they would use something like JavaScript or Java, would be no problem at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah. You have to switch. Yeah, your ID, but yeah. but the, the the way you program is is the same. Yeah? So it's the same action script for C sharp for Java. Mm -hmm. um, if you are a good developer in one language, you definitely will be one in the other language. Yeah, uh, so to, to 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 a point. What uh, yeah. what I don't get. This is uh, I see you know speakers at conferences. Mm -hmm. They speak you know every year about different language, and I have to say m maybe you can do this and you can program something with the language. But uh, for instance, if you would like to know what can go wrong to understand the errors and all the entire ecosystems, it needs years until you are productive, at least mm -hmm. until I'm productive, you know? Yeah, I yeah, spend yeah. my entire time with Java, subset of Java even, and JavaScript, and I still know a just a little. So this is the problem. Yeah. If I would just, you know, add additional lang languages like C Sharp or Python, I, I, I mean, there is no time. So the only problem yeah, we have yeah. is the lack of time, I would say. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, I probably I could and, do something and, in Python immediately, you know, but hello world. But if someone will ask me, you know, access from Python a SQL database without looking, without yeah, copying no. code out of a stack overflow. I mean, copy and paste is what I can also do. But uh, to understand what happens, this is harder, right? Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And this yeah, is what yeah. you need to your professional life because no one will yeah. hire you, you know, to, to access a database. If they hire you right, right now, it's because uh, you understand the problem, you can help them, you know, because you know what's going on behind the scenes, right? This yeah, is why yeah, yeah. I try to avoid Angular because no one knows what's going behind the scenes. And if someone asks me help us, I can say, okay, we will try, you know, to to pray a little bit and then see, you know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> like metrics, you know. <laughs> it's it's yeah. We we use Angular for for one uh, of the front end applications uh, at Telvik, 
Um, and I did have a course and I, I know how it works and I can check the code and I can adjust some stuff, but the really flow of data within an Angular application, I leave that to the Angular developers indeed. You mm -hmm. really have to understand how that system works. Yeah, And they really know it? This is actually what I really question because I think you have to be a committer to understand what's going on and to yeah. really optimize what's going on. I mean, if you just bind some, some fields, no problem. If you build, yeah, you know, yeah. a really cutting-edge apps, I think it can become a problem. Do you remember the other technology from hell called Google Web Toolkit, GWT? I never used that, no. It was, uh, it was able to compile Java to JavaScript. And it was very, very popular among Java developers. I tried to avoid it because I say, okay, if something breaks inside, I have no idea how to fix it. I mean, uh, we, we can do something, you know, but yeah. Now, I ask, ask you the question about the nerdy stuff, and we end up, uh, Tele Televic is the company? Televic, yes. We have four companies, and, and, and they all work around communication. So yeah. we are in, in trains, then the other ones are in healthcare. In conference and in education, and you are the so, trained uh, guy, of course, yeah, because I'm, of the legal one, one of one of, <laughs> and in, indeed that's very coincidence. So I started with my Commodore sixty four with my Lego train, yeah, and and now I'm programming uh, TFT screens and, and and systems to control content on trains. Yes, yeah, so yeah. it's a bit uh, the circle is round. Yeah, perfect. And uh, okay, so uh, Steve Jobs destroyed one of your projects. <clears throat> Uh, well, he's destroyed Flex, huh? uh, so yeah. he moved on to uh, other things. And uh, also at Telefic, uh, they were already using Java. Um, okay. And because I used C Sharp uh, and it was similar, um, they asked me to take some of the Java development. Um, so it's only, I think, eight or nine years that I'm using Java. <laughs> only. <laughs> uh, only. <laughs> okay, I'm getting old, I know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the last years very, very uh, intensive because we started new in, uh, developing new applications. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a challenging uh, business that we are in. in. Um, a lot of uh, Java developers who make cloud applications, mm -hmm. they have to um, be very careful about loads and, and uh, mm -hmm. that you can handle a lot of requests. Uh, while on the other hand, we work for projects where we have two or three people working on the wayside in our content management system, yeah. telling the trains what they need to show. We have about, I think the biggest project is, is 100 trains yeah. uh, connecting to this backend. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we know in advance how many users we have. Let's mm -hmm. say that the train is user, but we have an, a lot of other challenges like uh, trains go into the depot for uh, some repair, for instance. Mm -hmm. They are powered down. Mm -hmm. And a month later, they power them up again. Mm -hmm. They connect to the to the wayside and they have to be in sync again. So you lost a lot of traffic of, of states, of updates, of whatever. So there we have a completely different challenge than what you mostly have with Java cloud applications uh, where you have to be able to scale. We don't need to scale, but we need a reliable solution. A train is I, never connected in a stable way. You I, cannot I, connect a fiber cable to a train. I, I reveal you a secret. Most of the companies don't have to scale. But everyone is talking about scaling because it's yeah, more fun. Think you know, it's more, yeah, and, and everyone wants to scale without measuring nothing. So I, I'm spending yeah. my projects because everyone wants to scale, but they never scaled and they have no singleton, synchronized, whatever, and every, everything goes south. Another thing oh, is... That's a very nice insight, yes. Their project was the Flex Builder. This was uh, uh, actually a huge application. I was hired to, uh, to help them with highly scalable architecture. And they mentioned Google. They would like to mm -hmm. scale like Google. It's like, okay, I, I don't believe it, but uh, I try to help you. I, I showed them actually what it would mean if we really would like to be highly scalable. 
And at the end, we had uh, four application servers running uh, full time, and we had several thousand transactions per second, like per server. So we were able to handle thirty thousand transactions per second, and it still runs happily to now, you know, mm -hmm. without any strange Google auto scaling or whatever. So, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I don't know whether you know the CAP theorem: consistency, availability, partition tolerance. Mm -hmm. And this yeah. is like a theorem. This is mathematically proven, so there is no discussion about that. And you can choose between consistency and scalability if you distribute your application. So you have the consistency problem, but you cannot scale a lot. So do you, can, you can solve that. What you cannot solve is if you had, you know, several million trains, which had to be highly consistent, this would be interesting. But mm -hmm. if you have a couple of trains and you have to be consistent, not a problem. So, I mean, solvable problem. But yeah. I know what well, I think I know what happens. Your developers would like to scale, but they don't have to scale, right? <laughs> well, we have to scale because our projects become bigger and bigger. Yeah. Um, which is very nice. Um, but the tools we use allow us to do so. Yeah. So, uh, so now yeah, you're a Java developer, right? Yeah. And you like Java more than C Sharp? I'm, you have I'm to say yes. I'm used to it now. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I use it. I yeah. use it more now. So yes, I love it more. No, I, actually, I love it because, um, like you say, uh, C sharp changes from language. Uh, the same happened with Python. Python two and Python three are completely different. Oh, C sharp as well. App, uh, C sharp, wow, yeah, it really changed uh, in the, the days that I used it a lot. Um, okay. And but with Java, you have this very stable thing. Yeah. Which improves. Mm -hmm. So. From time to time, you get new things, but yeah. you don't lose really yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you get new features. You get um, easier to write code. Um, then, if you look into Spring, uh, you can just remove a lot of code <laughs> yeah. uh, because Spring does it for you. I really love the language. I love to experiment. Java allows you to experiment. Um, I started experimenting with Java on the Raspberry Pi. That also works very great. You can do a lot of fun stuff there. So yeah, I do love Java. So this is actually the, the current story. So you're working with the company Televic, which uh, had problem with Flex. And you replaced Flex with what, mm -hmm. with JavaVix? Uh, we, we did some JavaVix stuff, but then uh, for uh, maintenance tools, internal maintenance tools. Yeah. Uh, and for the web, we went to Angular. Huh? Oh. Uh, although it has a lot of- Angular uh, items, 1 or but, 2? Uh, no, no, we were uh, later. I think, uh, I can't remember, but we're now on the latest Angular. And now we just keep moving on. Eh? Yeah, you have to um, move on. What's what's, yeah. what's 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 interests me is I don't you know probably that our Angular follows the semantic versioning, mm -hmm. so you get two releases a year, mm -hmm. and they could introduce breaking changes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I mean, um, uh, in your case, I think it is not a big problem because the trains have to reload anyway the entire state from from the server yeah. with the Angular. Um, the but in, for my clients, if they build products and I mentioned this, it kills Angular because what it means is they are forced to at least update twice a year the infrastructure. And sometimes yeah, yeah, there is not even, you know, a release plan to do this. And don't yeah. yeah. But on the trains we have much more stable stable software, isolated software. And, okay. Uh, Angular is for the, uh, what our uh, wayside users use to generate the content for the trains. Okay. So indeed, um, for trains, yeah, uh, a train is a security thing. Uh, so it's it, you cannot just update anything you want there. Mm -hmm. uh, a train is in service. Uh, killing a train with a software update means that you block a lot of passengers. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so you cannot just do that. Uh, so that's very restricted what we can do there with updates. Okay. Um, what we need to do is send data. Huh? So mm -hmm. uh, if a train arrives in the station, we want to show uh, in the station, you can go to this uh, platform and then you will find a train going that direction and it is on time or it is delayed, that kind of stuff. So we have a lot of data going back and forth. But you're not reloading uh, the framework from train no, frequently? No, no. Uh, no, and definitely not in service. Huh? Okay. Uh, it, it's always... 
uh, depots uh, stuff. So they take the train or, or someone goes to the train to do an update. Eh? Okay. Uh, we want to achieve that, that we can do it via software, but yeah. Um, okay. Again, cool. it's uh, reliability stuff. Eh? So Dan, then you were forced to become a Java developer and yeah. then you somehow found Raspberry or what's the story? Ah, uh, well, the Raspberry. Um, seven years ago, uh, I found this um, this initiative called the Dojo. I don't know if you know it. It yeah. started in Ireland. So it's a computer club uh, for kids to learn kids to program from seven, six, seven years old. You um, are strange. You are for, you are in Belgium. In Belgium, there is DevOps conference. You heard about that? Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, and, and they, have, and they, have, they have DevOps for kids. <laughs> DevOps for kids, and, 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 and you same thing. And you looked at Ireland, you know, to, to find something. <laughs> well, it started in Ireland. Because around, around the corner was Kid Club, probably, you know. Yeah. You know posters come to us, kids, and you say, no, no, yeah. I go to Ireland, you know, to find about Code Dojo. And But it, it started in Ireland, but um, uh, Telenet, uh, doing internet uh, provider in, in Belgium, mm -hmm. one of the top people there, Martin Temples, mm -hmm. she found uh, Code Dojo in Ireland, and she started it, organizing it in Belgium. Huh? Okay. I was about seven or eight years ago, I think. And I started Club 7 and 8 of that Code Dojo in Belgium, okay. in uh, Ruslar and Ypres. Um, and I think now we have 150 locations in Belgium alone. Cool. And what we do is every month, um, we have uh, three or four hours uh, with 20 to 30, 40 kids. And we program. It's a club. Uh, we don't teach them. We challenge them to make a game in Scratch. <clears throat> Okay. Or program a Lego robot or whatever. Um, and what the fun thing is, it's free, it's with volunteers, and there you meet new people also. So it's not interesting for the kids alone, it's also interesting for the coaches. Mm -hmm. um, because I never used Arduino or a Raspberry Pi before. Okay. Um, and that's where I met people who are using this. Um, <clears throat> so we are teaching kids of 10 years old to program an Arduino. Mm -hmm. So they are doing C code which mm -hmm. I never used before. Mm -hmm. um, and they are 10 years old and they are programming a LED or a little servo or uh, an LCD display. Relay. Um, a relay, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> and again, the circle is round. So yeah. we come back to this hardware programming. And that's where I first got in contact with Arduino. Uh, so I assume I... you did it before your son, right? So you wanted to do something with your son? Yeah. yeah. My, son, my son was then too, too, too small even to, to go with me to, to that club. Um, and, uh, so you could carry him, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, now he's also programming in Scratch and making hey, cool. uh, small little games. Um, but he more likes to draw and, 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 and imagine how a game should look like. So he, I think if he ever game, comes into the game industry, he will be the designer and the, and the <laughs> director. Probably um, he will earn more money than a programmer, I was assume, in the gaming industry. Yeah, yeah. Indeed, I should push him a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and and <clears throat> because I found there this Raspberry Pi, I started doing my own experiments. And this is really, I, if I had this kind of stuff when I was 14, 15 years old, I would be definitely a software hardware engineer. Mm -hmm. This is, I, I find it still magic that you can fit all this power in this small port of 35 euros, which is a full PC. This is incredibly that... powerful. This is what is what I found. It was I was yeah. completely underestimated how powerful the raspies are. And and, not even, and then if, if if you take this Arduino, which you find the cheapest Arduino, I think for six or seven euros in in China, what you can program with that, if you connect a LED strip and you can control, I have this in in, in the drum boot of my son. I have this this these LED strips, mm -hmm. um, and with a small Arduino, I can put whatever color I want on every pixel. 
uh, on yeah. every let it's it's ah incredible yeah um so you only need this cheap electronics and free tools everything is free eh? if you have this arduino ide which is free you can mm-hmm. uh have visual studio code and java all for free you can program on the on the on the raspberry pi I think it's it's magic. For me, it's really magic. Actually, I wanted to ask you the question, but now it doesn't make a lot of sense because I know your background. But (laughs) this was the only preparation I did, you know, think about one single question. I wanted to ask you the question, why Raspi? Because um, if you think about this, I'm pretty sure you could buy for 50 euros a uh, used laptop. Yeah. Yeah. So and then um, everything becomes easier. I can program whatever I like without fiddling with the you know with the Raspi because I need power supply, I need the wiring, and for me I will spend probably two hours until I see something on screen. But if I will yeah. take you know my my and use the laptop, you can just get it almost for free. I get even more powerful environment without all the fiddling. So why do you think yeah. Raspberry Pi is so appealing? No kidding. This is my I still thinking yeah. right now I am more fascinated, you know, by because it's different, it looks nice, so I would use it like Alicia or whatever, just you know, to do something different. But, but to start programming, yeah. it is too cumbersome. So I would never get the idea to start with Arduino or, or Raspi. The, the big difference is the GPIO, the pins. And ah, that's okay. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the that's a bit the fun story of the Raspberry Pi. When they started designing um, the Raspberry Pi and even up to Apton, I think is the, the main developer of the Raspberry Pi, he just wanted to make a cheap PC. Mm-hmm. Huh? And then during the, the development of this board, in this chip, you have these GPIOs, so you can bring the outside world to the processor by connecting LEDs and, and sensors and whatever. And then they said, yeah, we're, we're developing, let's put a header on, on the board that you can connect some stuff. And they started with a small header. I think it only had eight pins or something mm-hmm. like that. And, and now you have 40 pins. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the real difference. Okay. You mm-hmm. can build a Java. JavaFX application which runs on the on the Raspberry Pi, but you can connect it to a temperature 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 <laughs> sensor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can control LEDs, you can control relays, you can control whatever you want. And again, all these components are so cheap and easy to find. Yeah. Um, so the big difference now, I understood this on uh, on a cheap laptop, it's very easy to start programming, but it's very hard to talk to to your environment. Yeah. And with Raspberry Pi, of course, you need a setup, but it's very easy to control the pins, which yep. uh, send a low. You can you can measure the current or send current with the sending yeah, current. Yeah, you can yeah. you can you so, can control relays, right? It's, and it's, they are digital digital pins, so that means uh, they are one or zero. Yeah. So they are zero volt or three three point three volt. Yeah. Um, and you have that as an input or an output. So yeah. you can put three po- three uh, three point three volt on it, and then you can read it. Is this high or low? Mm-hmm. Or you can put it to high or low. Uh, yeah. So you can read out a button. Or you can control a LED. That's the simplest yeah. uh, example. Um, so instead of uh, having a button directly connected to a LED, you can read it from software and control your LED. Is it described in your book? And so I started with these experiments in Java, and I wrote a, a small article, and I sent it to uh, Magpie uh, uh, Netherlands. So that's mm-hmm. uh, Magpie is the official Raspberry Pi magazine, and they published it. Uh, a four-page article about using Java on, on the Raspberry Pi. Uh, and then the publisher asked, yeah, is, is there a book in this? Uh, could we have a book about this? And, and I f- was looking into uh, existing books, and there were four, five or six-year-old uh, books about Java on the Raspberry Pi. So yeah, indeed, it was time for an update. And the next day, I had a table of contents for the publisher. I said, yeah, if you would write a book, this would be the content. What's and the name of the from, book? Uh, it's Getting Started with Java on the Raspberry Pi. And author um, is Frank? And Frank Del Porte. Uh, okay. You can find it on, on LeanPub and on the Elector website. And uh, uh, how is how is the easiest way to buy it? Can I buy it on Amazon or di- directly from your page or how to buy it? Uh, di- directly from my uh, from my blog, you find a link to if you want the ebook or the paper book. And, so and, web what, dehi, and what's web your blog? Dehi. 
webtechie.be. Webtechie.be. Techie, yes. C-H, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's, what's the table of contents, roughly? Uh, so roughly, um, I go through the history of Java because in the last years, a lot has changed in Java. Yeah. yeah? Since we had this six-month release cycle and all these new features coming in, uh, and on the other hand, it's an old language. Yeah? It's a 25 years old uh, this year. So um, I'm talking about Java. I'm talking about Java JavaFX, mm-hmm. uh, about Maven, because I use Maven uh, mm-hmm. to build every project. I talk about IDEs, and I have uh, IntelliJ um, and uh, Visual Studio Code, Super. because you mm-hmm. can use Visual Studio Code on the Raspberry Pi itself. Mm-hmm. And then I have a lot of examples where we use uh, Spring, and then I also have a Q example. with, mm-hmm. um, And then a big part is with Pi4j. Py4j is a framework mm-hmm. which connects Java with GPIOs in a very easy way. Oh, okay. Um, How easy is it? Let's say I would like to set the pin to one. Do I only have to know the number and say set? Yeah, high? yeah. <clears throat> and it's uh, four or five lines. Okay. And you're mm-hmm. started. Mm-hmm. So it is very, very easy. And the Py4j project uh, is uh, started by Robert Savage. Uh, he's an American guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last months I got a bit involved in his project uh, because he's working on a new version. Uh, which is fully Java 11 oh. modeler uh, with a new um, native library mm-hmm. to control the GPIOs because uh, the Raspberry Pi 4 is a bit different than the previous ones. <clears throat> so we can do a lot more. There is a very bright future for Java on Raspberry Pi. Uh, so you have on the other, on the one hand uh, side, you have Java so. Fix, where you can build very use, uh, very beautiful user interfaces. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, you have your uh, hardware and your GPIOs that you can control a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. and connect, yeah, whatever you want. Funny story, so you approach me and say, I wrote a book, uh, Java, and I use Spring. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I never use Spring, actually, in my project, so I, I'm living in parallel world to yours. But I say, okay, <laughs> well, we can talk about something, but uh, what uh, what could be interesting to you, just take a look at Quarkus. And I say, okay, I will find it out. And you did an experiment, and you what you did, actually, with Quarkus? Um, so in my book, I have this uh, small database proof-of-concept application, an uh-huh. example, mm-hmm. um, that you can have a REST appli- uh, API, and you can push um, sensor measurements from any device. So imagine you have a setup where you have your Raspberry Pi as a server, mm-hmm. and some Arduino boards with sensors around your house oh. that you could push data from your Arduinos to this uh, uh, Raspberry Pi data. That's just an example. Yeah, this, and is I this, with, this is described in your book. This is described in the book. I have and, to admit, I, 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 didn't, I didn't look at your book, but I plan to buy it just, you know, to support you. So, um, but I, I will perfect, read it. Perfect idea. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, I will do it, but right now I'm really overloaded with work and I just misused the interview to find out, you know, what's in your book. But, um, okay, this is actually, you described yeah. in your book a small, you're using, you know, yeah. Raspberry as a cloud, let's say, and the Arduino yeah, sending. Indeed. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. And it's oh, no, an we know database. this is a new password. This is the Edge device. Yeah, and, oh, yeah, it's the Edge device. Yeah. <laughs> the Edge device, okay. It's my Edge device, yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this uses Spring, H2, uh, and all the stuff. Uh, you mm-hmm. know there. And there was one remark at the end of this chapter. Uh, it takes about 60 seconds to start this application on a Raspberry Pi 3. Mm-hmm. And I put this on my blog, mm-hmm. the same article. And then you said, yeah, uh, that was your remark about this article. How about this 60 seconds? Did you use Quarkus? And that's what I did indeed. I uh, made a new application from mm-hmm. scratch mm-hmm. with Quarkus and Panache um, with exactly the same functionality. Okay, so cool. you have Swagger, Swagger, you have an H2 database, you have the REST APIs, that's mm-hmm. it. Um, and I compiled the two jar. Mm-hmm. The same thing as the Spring, the Spring jar and the Quarkus jar. And I think that it's about uh, three times faster that it starts mm-hmm. on the Raspberry Pi uh, 3 and then on the Raspberry Pi 4, it's even a bit faster. 
And I also tried to do this uh, native because mm -hmm. that's another mm -hmm. buzzword. Um, the native, but the native doesn't seem to be ready for the RM processor. Yeah, this can be. So mm -hmm. yeah, so there is some work to do there. So I didn't was was not able to start my Quarkus native. But native is would be unfair mm -hmm. because now we, we have comparison to know Java or to Java. If we yeah, indeed yeah. And and so, were you you liked the Quarkus experience or was it you know strange? Yeah. Yeah, because of this challenge, I was also looking into micro profile because these are then yeah. the new things to me. It's just a choice you, you have to make, I think. Do you no, go for but this spring? It's an interesting or... story because uh, uh, the funny story is um, someone immediately you know, re replied to your to your investigation, mm -hmm. like, who cares over view seconds and memory? You mm -hmm. saw the tweet, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if the documentation in Quarkus is crappy. But I think the documentation in Quarkus is really nice and I have no yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is this is my, my, my honest, you know, question was it, was it okay for you to port it or was it hard or just worked or what? Yeah, I, I didn't use Panache before and I didn't use Quarkus before. Yeah, um, this I is found all the documentation on the site. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Spring doesn't use really Java EE. The yeah. annotations are yeah. a bit different. Yeah, but it or annotations you just have to know the real, the yeah. good ones. Uh? Yeah, the idea is the same. Yeah, the startup is a bit different. Okay. But do I prefer Spring above Quarkus or vice versa? I cannot tell you at this moment. No, they are very similar. I just yeah, wanted to yeah. know to find out whether you were able to how somehow easy you know migrate the application or was it challenging? Yeah, this yeah, was the only yeah. question. <clears throat> I can yeah, yeah it was was not a problem. Uh, it was only a few hours and I had my my, my proof of concept application. Cool. I was was not mm -hmm. a, the only thing I spent a lot of time a lot of nights on uh, was uh, trying to do the native stuff. Yeah, the but this is completely different beast because this yeah, native yeah. stuff is based on Graal. Which is uh, outside yeah, of Quarkus, yeah. you know. This is this yeah, is a completely and, different fiddling. And you also have Spring also supporting GraalVM now. I mm -hmm. didn't experiment with it, but that's the next step. Um, and and I have to be honest, spending the nights that was the Raspberry Pi doing the, the work because it takes hours and hours and hours to do the native compiling, and it mm -hmm. fails after four hours because of an out of memory exception. So you, you, you know, know you know the Turing Pi project. No. I'm learning a lot for you. Eh? Yeah, you. see, you have to look <laughs> it up. So they will. Uh, you, you won't sleep, you know, the next night if you find this out. I think it is so, sold out right now. But take a yeah. look at Turing Pi. So you get yeah, your own cool. cloud of Raspis. This is just a hint. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are indeed a few cloud providers now working with Pi's. Yeah. So uh, here's uh, uh, um, also interesting part. I, I wrote you an email. If you're already with Quarkus, just try Helidon. Mm -hmm. And they say, yeah, but yeah. I have no time. And someone on tweet, <laughs> they know, Day after, they say, "What about Helidon?" And your answer is, "Okay, I will invest investigate." You know, <laughs> this is the yeah, power of Twitter. I, yeah, indeed. But I try. I, I was looking into Helidon, but there I indeed lack some documentation. I'm, they have great great documentation, but you have to know a little bit more about microprofile. But uh, yeah. you know, we can challenge other listeners if they liked. They should port, you know, the application, yeah, your application to Helidon and help you. So why not? Yeah, my, my, I would my, love to uh, do my... it. But right now, I, I have so many projects, also pet projects. And uh, if we start, you know, with Raspi, I will never sleep. Actually, regardless <laughs> whether whether Raspi is doing something or not. So here's the deal. What I would like to do is, um, I would just uh, mention your book once again, then call it a show. So um, because it, otherwise, it's going to be too long. And I would like to yeah. re-invite you back in a few weeks, of, you know, in autumn. And then just talk about Raspi and Java, yeah. if you like, or whatever. Perfect. But uh, just, you know, that uh, that try to promote uh, Java and Raspi a little bit more, and we can walk through pseudocode, what to do to read a temperature sensor or whatever. And, uh, yeah, right? and, and then we can I, talk about, I have no idea about Spring, but we can have Quarkus, MicroProfile, or Helidon. So this is what I can talk with you. In Spring, no idea. I can say, okay, there is a Spring, it's a popular yeah. framework, but I never use that, so... And and all my code uh, for all the examples is on GitHub. So if GitHub, someone okay. wants to experiment uh, or try to make 
a Helidon version of the Quarkus application. It's also on, on, on GitHub. Um, yeah, it would be nice to have uh, more fuss about Java on Raspberry Pi. Yeah. I was planning to do some some jugs here in Belgium this year, but yeah, of course, because of Corona, uh, they were all stopped. So that's uh, for later. Do it um, online. Yeah, I'm looking. Yeah, if someone is interested in a virtual jug, uh, I definitely want to do a presentation about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, a long article about Java. Uh, and Java VIX on Raspberry Pi is also on the Oracle magazine, uh, cool. Oracle Java magazine. Uh, Send newsletter. me the links. I will put it in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. We'll do that. Yeah. And your book, what, book once again, is starting uh, Java on Raspberry. This is the, the name? Get, yeah. Getting started with Java on the Raspberry Pi, indeed. Okay. And the publisher is Elect- Elector. 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 Yeah, Elector. And yeah. uh, LeanPub. LeanPub. And, and, and on LeanPub, you find, yeah, on LeanPub, you find the ebook version. Okay. Thank you. So uh, have fun with Raspberry. Yeah, definitely. And thanks for the invite.